0: Yo, yo, yo. What's good? It's your boy, Roy, and this is another episode of SYNC Gems. Today, I sit down with DK. He has a great podcast called Mixing Music Podcast. As you can guess, DK is a mixer. And he mixes for SYNC and also for artists. His story is fascinating. He grew up very religious and kind of found his own way and his own path into what he is doing right now, which you'll hear. He talks about turning down Grammy-winning artists and really setting boundaries for yourself as a person and how it has helped him and kept him sane throughout his journey. We also talk about why most people don't have what it takes to really achieve success for themselves. And Dee also has a really interesting point of view about prioritizing happiness over success. We go into a bit of a religious tangent and why religion can actually be a good thing for some people who are aspiring musicians and producers and professionals in general. And just to preface this, I am not by any means religious or grew up religious. So this was fascinating to me. So really, I would stick all the way till the end because he drops insane gems also in the end. And if you dig this podcast, please go rate and review it wherever you're listening you can do this give it a five stars and review it on apple podcast if you're listening there and if you really want to make my day send me a screenshot of the review i will shout you out and i will be forever grateful so without further ado my man dk all right we're on dk Howdy. Howdy ho. How you doing?
1: Good. It's a wonderful Tuesday night here in sunny Los Angeles, California.
0: Nice. Nice. That's what's up. Tell man, I I just want to dive in to be honest like you're you've I've seen you through Um, a company that I work with uh, get it done and then I've just started diving into your stuff and I saw that it's super high quality and digging in a bit more longer I just figured out that you've made more than a thousand mixes last year is that true?
1: Yeah so in 2020 I mixed a thousand and nineteen songs in a single year
0: Holy hell well yeah you are probably one of the people that are gonna make me feel like I don't work enough but let's just put it <laughs> on the, let's just put it out of the equation now that I've said it um, man tell me about yourself tell me about how you've uh, gotten to where you are right now and how you grew up like how you uh, started started the journey and yeah just want to know about you
1: Yeah, very briefly. Um, I'll be as brief as possible. I'm born in Okinawa, Japan. Uh, I immigrated to the United States when I was about four or five years old. Uh, Somehow made it in early enough to not have an accent. (laughs) Uh, Fell in love with the radio, music on the radio in Chicago uh, in middle school. Um, Joined a band in high school. What would you play? Uh, I was the bass player. Okay. I played bass. Joined a band in high school for some reason, and I guess I I was just that bored, which kind of turned into a deep passion for music. Then as I was living in Japan um, as a missionary for a church for two years in Japan, I decided that I wanted to pursue music as a full-time career, so I came back, um, started going to college, And a year after that, opened up my very first studio with almost no experience, no professional experience, very little professional experience. I think I may have done a couple paid gigs before as an engineer. Immediately started hustling, hustling, hustling. And uh, that hustle led to becoming part of an entrepreneur circle beyond just music. So I I started a bunch of other companies outside of music. um, Only which one of Remains to this day. And now I own one studio in Utah, one studio here in Los Angeles, um, and I'm a full-time mixer. And I started just mixing, switching over from producing, songwriting. I still like produce. I still songwrite from time to time, um, professionally. Uh, but most of the time, I'm just focusing on mixing. And I switched over to mixing almost completely around 20... 2019 or so. So almost 4 years ago I switched over to mixing completely.
0: Mm. What made you move f- to mixing completely?
1: Um it was the most cathartic thing for me. It was very natural actually. It was uh it was the most fun. It was the most uh, yeah, it was the most relaxing part of the job for me. I didn't have to have clients there. I could do it on my own time and I would pay per song. I would charge per song, so I would make more I was actually the better I got at my job and the faster I became, the more I got paid. And I liked that aspect of it. Whereas tracking, it's like the only way I can get paid more is by charging more.
0: Mm. Word. So wait, I, I want to I wanna backtrack because I, I, I mean, I like brief uh, bios, but th- there were a few things. You, you presented the, the church. And then you presented getting, uh, uh, coming back and hustling and doing all that. What happened in between there, like with you and music? So I got did, married. Okay. In between. There we go. <laughs> We're not leaving yeah. every, anything out. What's her name? No, I'm kidding. But uh, yeah. um, but okay. So so but what happened in between? I mean, did you start engineering? Like, did you work in the U.S.? Did you start? Uh, um, how did you? Did you start songwriting? What happened in that in that time where where yeah. that led you to opening a studio?
1: I got, I got married pretty quick, like as soon as I got back. And uh, it was probably a year after I got back, I was already married. And then on top of that, I started a band. I wanted to do a funk band because I knew I wanted to do music full time. So while I was in Japan, I decided I'm going to do music for my career, mm. even if I'm going to be poor for the rest of my life. So that was the first step. After that decision was made and I had no plan B, like, this is it. I'm going all in on this. Um, and I told my fiance at the time, it's like, hey, this is it. We should break up if you're not OK with this. Like, we're going to be poor. I'm going to be loud. I'm, I might go on tour, whatever it is. I haven't decided the the direction of being an engineer yet. Um, I moved to Utah. To, to, I transferred schools to Utah um, and immediately started a band. And it was a, like an eight, nine piece funk band with the horn section. So it was like fun to actually like write for horns and uh, like everything, like I produced and write the entire songs. Um, and it's kind of started with I needed a place to practice. And I was engineering my own band because I was cheap. And like I wanted to record. It was just like I wanted to make music, which led me to learning Pro Tools. And I joined the commercial music program. It was like a, an actual like Pro Tools using like producing program um, at the school I was at. And, uh, so all kind of lined up, but before I got accepted to the program, I had actually already started a commercial studio and was taking in my first major clients and like running ads, um, and like hosting events. And it was, it was like no work. I mean, I was like this 22, 21, 22 year old punk with barely any experience with no name on him. And probably the most arrogant piece of shit you've ever met. And, uh, but somehow we made it through and were able to leave the lights on and, and, uh, the overhead was low because it's Utah, and and the risk was very very low, and somehow we hustled through, made it work, and um, yeah, that was that's the in between there.
0: So that moment where you decided that I'm gonna do this, like no matter what, uh, um, communicated and 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 did all these things. I love how um, methodology. Method- <laughs> I'm in lots of words. Meth, method, how do you say that? Method, uh, method- Methodic? Methodic, method- yeah. Methodical? Yeah, me-
1: methodical. Me- <laughs> I think that's it, method- a- methodical. Now I'm trying to, to mix it myself. with
0: mythological. Yeah. Methodological. So anyway, how would you recommend people do that today? Were there a lot of mistakes that happened on the way to you being actually able to be running your all, all your stuff and, and just doing, doing that alone? To be
1: fair, um, this is going to sound really arrogant, but um, I'm going to be totally honest. I don't think most people could do exactly what I did. I don't think most people has the determination, the guts, the focus to do what I did. Um I took out a loan, dude. I was like $20,000 in debt at 21 years old, just married. Um that's not normal, you know. Um and granted there's people that take out much bigger debts uh, than I did. But um for and it was it was a lot of luck. It was a lot of sheer dumb luck meeting the right people, not having a business plan, but things working out anyway just from sheer hustle you know, typically you don't, you don't grow clients just from sheer hustle. Like that's, that's hustle is just a, such a weird, obscure term, right? There's, it doesn't, it doesn't mean I, I, it could mean I made flyers, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, I, yeah, it's, um I don't think most people can do what I did. And I think why I was able to do what I did at that time was because of the amount of focus. I literally had no plan B, and it was really blissful. Like It was very naive, extremely naive, and extremely hyper-focused on like, I have this, I want this, I want it so bad, I'm willing to cut everything out. So I'm talking like I would work at the studio for 80 to 100 hours a week and go to school full-time. So most people, when they go to school for music full-time, they're like, hey, I don't have time for anything else. I can't even get a part-time job. You know that's pretty normal, and here I am doing like two full time jobs and and going to school full time. And I don't think most people have the hustle to do that. I didn't party. I didn't. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't go hang out with people. I was literally just at the studio networking and stuff. I don't. I don't think most people have the focus to do that. And I think um, there was nothing to fall back on. I didn't want to be anything else at that time. So, um, I think if if some very few people. Uh, a lot of people think that they have that level of Pogus, but I think the people that actually do um, are able to do exactly what I did and even to more extreme levels. Um, but I, I think that I was also luckier than most people. It, it just happened to be like the perfect deal for a studio location that with a very low overhead, with a great business partner, with a lot of fantastic mentors, with a lot of great friends. You know, It just happened to be a fantastic music city. And um, yeah, it was a lot of luck.
0: Yeah, but was it like I'm? I'm asking myself as as you're speaking. It sounds like you're a really smart dude. Like there's something there. There there was something in every luck. There's something that let that luck happen. And you can say whatever you want. You can uh, uh, people can can tell me to go read the secret and manifest shit and all that kind of stuff. But it sounds like your approach has enabled you to create uh, uh, something for yourself. Yes, of course. It's not as much risk as if you were a dad now. You probably wouldn't do the same thing, but um yeah, I feel like I, I feel like there is definitely more than luck to it. There is an approach that you are that I can see all over your your videos as well. It's just like something about you is 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 really moving forward. It's like you are your energy is driven forward, and I love that.
1: Yeah, uh well, I don't think I'm like actually particularly smart. <laughs> Every time I think I do I am, I I meet someone that makes me feel so dumb. You know, <laughs> but um but I think that I'm confident about my dumbness. And I think that that's better than being smart. Where like, if you know you're smart, that leads to an ego. But I am so comfortable about my ability to make mistakes. Like I love making mistakes and I go into things knowing I'm going to make mistakes and I'm going to fuck everything up and it's going to make everything super hard. But I know, the reason why I hesitate to say luck is because luck means like you're gambling and you actually don't know what you're doing. But if if What I'm gambling is effort, right? I'm I'm gambling with effort and I can put in more effort than somebody else. So I could turn the tide simply with sheer willpower, right? So it's not really gambling. I guess it's not really luck because I can choose to make good outcomes with that. Um, I'm just going into it. I'm very risk averse and I love taking risks and I go into it knowing that I can turn things around by just working really hard. That being said, um, we're, we're basing this entire questioning and answering is basing off of like the, if, if as if I was the most successful mixer in the world. (laughs) So I want to preface and this answer and say, well, it's already too late now. um, But, uh, and say that I, I'm not the most successful engineer mixer in the world, but I do get a lot of great work. I pay, I'm, I'm the single, um, I'm a single income household with two kids that makes money from just music. And uh, I get to mix full-time, and I'm very blessed, and I have boundaries. Now, am I the type of person – and I've, I've kind of had the pleasure to build a lot of boundaries now where I've built my career where I don't have to work as hard, and I kind of stick to 40 hours a week or less, and I spend most of my time with my kids and my family. Like, that's what's important to me now. Um, and I'm lucky to be in a position where my career has stabilized, and I'm able to set boundaries, and I only work with clients that are great and fantastic, that have good budgets. And I don't have to waste my time with um, – clients that don't know what they want nor do they know what a good mixer is and they waste my time and they waste their own time and their own money
0: Mm. yeah that's a big one how do you how did you come to understand what that looks like for you like what that work looks like for you specifically
1: yeah i think this is different for everybody Roy, let me ask you like are you are you uh are you single? Do you have a girlfriend? Are you family man? What's your What's your situation? I have a girl,
0: my girlfriend. Yeah. You have a
1: girl. Like what in your life outside of work? What's the most important thing for you?
0: Hmm. Yeah, my girl and my dog.
1: Yeah. What What is important about your girl? Like, is it that she's taken care of? Is it that she is fulfilled? What is it about your girl and your dog that you want?
0: Everything is about, in the end of the day, everything is about my feeling, right? Like, so I want to be, I want to feel good in my skin. I want to feel good as a provider. I want to feel good as a, 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 a person in general, like as a spiritual person who is, who needs to move in a world that's changing all the time and evolving. So outside of, of, of that, I want to feel, uh, that I am worthy.
1: mm Fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think that's the first step is recognizing what I really want. And I think that's not always been super easy. I've known that I've always wanted to be a dad. I've known that I've always wanted to spend time with my children more than my dad did with me. Um, And um, I knew that for me, spending time with my kids is the finish line. It's not a yacht. It's not a house. My goal is spending time with my kids, especially when they're young, right? And um, because when they're older, I have to give them up. There's no point missing all the time when they're young and then they become a teenager. It's like, okay, now I'm going to make time. First off, that doesn't make sense because I'm probably working so hard and then they cost so much that I've I've sacrificed everything and have to spend 80 hours at the office just to make ends meet for these kids. And then by the time I finally figure out that i am emotionally missed most of their lives... Then I have to start catching up, and then they're gone to college. Like that, that's the most backwards logic I've ever heard. It's probably the stupid advice I've most stupid advice I've ever heard from any parents. Um, and you don't have to be their age to understand that that's that advice is straight up retarded. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> like, so I'm wanting to spend time now and later. So I'm at the finish line. I feel like people, people sacrifice. Happiness for success. You know what what is the phrase? What is the phrase? People sacrifice happiness for success because they think success will make them happy. You know, but it's it's the opposite. It's like sometimes you have to know what you have to sacrifice to be happy. And for me, it's working like it was when I moved out to LA and it was about a couple of years ago. It's like, okay, no more 8 p.m. starting sessions. Like I'm not tracking anyone from 8 p.m. anymore. I'm not working on the weekends. I don't give a crap. If you're I've literally said no to like Grammy winning artists, <laughs> I've literally lost huge clients over this. And I will I will say, no, I'm on my time. If you don't want to work with me for my respected time, then I don't want to build a relationship with you, because if, if you um, I'm not going to name any artists, um, but if, if you this big artist, I understand that if I say yes now, I might get a cool gig. I might get a good credit. But our relationship is going to be now a power play where you think our relationship is based off of me groveling at your feet and I really want to work with you. Does that make sense? Like if you don't come at me as equals, then it's never going to be equal. Your power is now I'm, I'm your bitch. And that's how it's going to be played out. And there's a lot of successful engineers that play out that way. I'm not going to name names, but it's it's actually a really good way of building. But that's just not it for me. I'm not willing to do that. That doesn't solve the problems that I want solved, and it doesn't make me happy and fulfilled like exactly what you said, which is my goal. So I'm I'm willing. There's a lot of things that I'm willing to sacrifice, but I think it took a lot of making mistakes and setting up goals. You know, you know, what was another funny thing is that I had crazy high goals. When I moved here and within the first year of moving to L.A., I hit all of them. Like I hit them way too fast. And there was something about hitting my goals and reaching those goalposts way too fast that made me realize, oh, shit, this isn't actually what I want. It didn't solve the problems that I thought it would solve. It added more problems that I didn't realize. It's like by the time I got to the level that I'd never dreamed of getting to and I only got them within one year, I was like, oh, shit. And I went into a deep depression partially because of that. Like oh now I really don't know what I want so I think it was like figuring out balancing it out what is it that I want a lot of meditation some therapy like a lot of like reading and and, and just just thoughtful mindfulness of of you know dialing it back and figure refiguring it out and um, I can say more than anything else that I am the happiest that I've ever been in my life at this moment. Thanks to the mistakes that I've made and the boundaries that I've created. Sorry, that was a really long-winded answer. I apologize.
0: Yeah, apology accepted. Um, we will delete this part. <laughs> we are done. <laughs> nah, man, this this is uh, whew. I need to let this sink in because this is where. What movie, The Green Knight? Have you seen?
1: The green, the recent one, yeah, with uh twenty-four.
0: Where where he goes is H- that? H-
1: is, what is it? What is that studio? I don't know, man. It's yeah. I recently it's saw. Yeah. so
0: dope. Um, where he goes? Is that all there is? And this is a spo- oh shit! It's a spoiler alert. What I'm doing? I'm i have just spoiled a bit. But it, it's it's just like is that all there is? Um, where where in the in, in ah I'm gonna sorry guys. No spoiler. Spoil it, spoiler. 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 Uh, where, where where his whole life goes in front of his eyes. Uh, in in And uh, I mean, just the movie leading to that point is so good, in my opinion, that it doesn't really matter. But when he goes, is that all there is? Um, and I think it's, and maybe he said it in a different way, but is that all there is? And you're talking about getting to your objective and asking yourself, is that all there is? Like in that moment, it's like, oh, shit, I reached all the things that I actually wanted for myself is that all there is and I think that's the same with like getting a huge placement or getting a huge check or getting this uh, uh these things that validate who you think you want to be at uh, who you think you want to become as opposed to being who you want to be in the moment and I would love to I would love for you to talk about how you how you got out of that I mean, again, you're get you're you've reached your all your objectives, and now, what what is do, what does it look like for you, for your partner, for just like your what what is your life like for the, from that point?
1: Hmm. At first, it was pretty devastating. It turned into now I don't feel like I'm doing enough. Um, this is where we can talk about like sync, but uh, it. I've been working for a few for a few uh I had previously worked in 2020 I worked with Get it done which is the same company that we work you work for. And I've done mixing for for Get it done, GID for a while for that year. Um and then things kind of like went away. Uh and I've I've been working with a couple other libraries, so like these labels, what they do instead of doing libraries, they have artists. So like Hive, which is signed under Position, um, so I work for, I do mixing for Position as well, mixing and mastering for Position, where um, any music that is released under them, I either mix it or master it, mostly mastering. And um, they do they promote these artists through sync, so it's not like a lot li- it's like it's not really a library, it's more of a label, but they promote artists. Um, It's actually really fantastic. But anyway, it kind of changed my clientele. I started changing my clientele. I went from a lot of like, I love, I used to be known as like a hip hop guy. Like I went from hip hop where it's like, then the lifestyle changed. Like I don't smoke. I don't want to be around that anymore. And I don't want to start sessions at 8 p.m. It wasn't because I don't like hip hop, but it's not because I decided to go against hip hop, but it's because... Um, I don't work with those super late nights that all of a sudden my clients started shifting and I started losing a lot of like hip hop clients. But then when I started being available in the mornings, I started gaining a lot more like corporate uh, clientele and pop artists, singer songwriters, um, some K-pop stuff, whatever, anything else. And um, so my clientele changed and that was a little bit like traumatic because it was like weird seeing um, I was losing clients and I was like missing that missing them you know some FOMO as well and they started getting different engineers and I started gaining new opportunities slowly over time it was a little bit scary but we um we got through it so now I would say that um to now it's about 50 50 like 50 percent of my work is for um get it done position um and, and like a couple other uh, labels and sync, uh, and then also independent artists. And I love 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 independent artists. So I'm I'm all over the place as far as my work goes. I will still refuse to do uh, TV and f- film um, dialogue editing <laughs> or anything else. I just do music. I only do music.
0: Yeah, it seems like you have something with boundaries where you're um, you're really solid on your boundaries and. It actually cancelling everything, all the noise, helps you to really narrow into what you are, to your new direction, into the new person you are becoming. So, I mean, the, and, and I, will, I will take it back to the question of, okay, how did you, you had this de- depression phase where you were like, what's, what's happening now? What, what did you realize at that point? that helped you persevere?
1: Let's see here. Um, I realized that the direction that I was going is not what I wanted. Um, I wasn't willing to sacrifice these late nights and sacrifice more time from my family to have a slightly higher chance at winning a platinum record a few years earlier than I would have gotten them anyway you know, a, a Grammy a few years earlier than I would have gotten it anyway. Um, yeah. So I think that was just it. Like knowing what I wanted and what I wanted, what I thought I wanted, what, didn't end up being what I, what I, what I actually wanted. I'm trying to differentiate between the two.
0: Yeah. So was that what, like with the help of a therapist, with the help of meditation, because you you told me that you, you started. No, honestly, like... it was
1: just the, the, the extreme amount of fast success. Like, Again, all of that extreme amount of success freaked me out. Like I hit all of almost all of my goals within the first year of moving here, and that freaked me the shit out, dude. That freaked me out.
0: Yeah, because especially in L.A., it doesn't happen to people in the first year usually. Uh, no, like
1: yeah, I was I was living the dream. Like if you had if you had told. 18 or 21 year old DK that I was doing the things that I was doing this, my first year in Los Angeles, I would have, I would have been like, no, no fucking way. No way. This is, this guy's living the dream, but I was, I was miserable and I was surprised to find out that I was miserable because I also thought that this was the, this was what was going to make me happy, but I was here and I'm like, where's the happiness feeling? It's not here actually, you know? Um, Yeah. And then I bumped into uh, my good friend, Bob Horn. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a he's a mix engineer. And um, this is a story that I tell often through him. He's like he actually had like a stroke a couple years ago and um, like almost lost his life to a certain degree and and is like permanently maimed in in a few different ways. But uh, he said it was partially from stress and lack of exercise, things like that. And he said out of the 20 years of bending over backwards for everybody. Um, And gaining clients and gaining work by being the bitch boy that bends over backwards for everybody, he said, not a single time in the last 20 years of my career was it ever worth it because the clients that actually ended up paying me the most amount of money over the long years, the clients that I became the best friends with, that I had the most solid opportunities with, respected my boundaries from the beginning. And it was the clients that never respected my boundaries from the beginning that never ended up learning to respect my boundaries. It was the part of the reason why I got so stressed out and, and he got a stroke. So it's like, it, it wasn't worth my health. It wasn't worth it. And I would have lost some clients and I would have lost some big projects. But at the end of the day, like it hasn't been worth it over the last 20 years. And that like totally flipped a switch in me. And I think that that it wasn't uh, a therapy at that time. I wasn't doing therapy at that time. It was just a genuine, It was it was like a real, it was a realization that's like, this is not making me happy. It was just straight up really loud. I didn't need to talk to someone to, feel that way it was very obvious i'm like oh shit this isn't it this is not fun i don't like being on call for an artist <laughs> that is very famous and being called up at 2 a.m to be in a session where girls are twerking in the back like his bitches are twerking in the back of the room and he's smoking like an ounce of weed with his group over there and i'm like getting high from just the residual smoke and it's like he's not even coherent enough to like sing his own parts you know it's it's not fun. It's not fun.
0: Oh shit! So these IG reels that that girls are twerking in the back of the studio are, are, are not actually fun to be in.
1: Not for me. Not for me. <laughs> you know, I'm, again, I'm the Mid-break. guy that's always wanted to be a dad that got married at 21. You know, like I'm not the club going type.
0: Mm. So would you say? And I'm the same. I, I stopped drinking in 21 after, yeah, after just seeing too many people and and. Getting drunk and wasting their their twenties away, and and yeah, I I I could say I resonate with that for sure. But do you, do you think that? I want to take it back. That's why I want to know people's stories because do you think that religion had anything to do with your uh current success and with your current mindset?
1: Uh, definitely, yeah. Um, not in the way that you think it is. Like, um, subjectively, did God come out of the skies and bless me? Maybe, maybe not. But objectively, did the values that I receive from being in a strict Christian religion raise me to have my focus right? Right. So I grew up, my, my parents were heavily Mormon, probably too much Mormon. I have a lot of trauma around it, right? But like, don't drink don't smoke you don't party you get married young and you have kids early like family is the most important thing you're taught that so regardless of whether or not god exists and is actually blessing me i think practically and objectively my desire to have a family and my desire to stay away from drinking and smoking helped me make better decisions and made me a better person yes absolutely yes um and maybe just maybe That my religion gave me a set of values and I have a, a, a fragile, like an ego where if I start doing things that I was taught are wrong, then I will start to feel like I don't deserve success, right? So we're thinking from not from a religious perspective, from a psychological perspective. So if I was taught not to lie and I have to lie my way to success, I will eventually get to a point where I don't feel like I deserve to be successful, and it will cause in that moment imposter syndrome, right? And that is that is has to do with religion. Like for me, I think that all of the things, me obeying my religion, regardless of whether or not it's right. Me being taught a certain way and was giving a, given a set of values that were out of my choice and me choosing to follow them made my conscious clear and made my ego uh, like <laughs> uh, clean and I knew I could push forward and I know that what I was doing was right. Does that make sense? And you can interpret that like the, the religious way of saying that is like, oh, yeah, if I'm obeying the commandments, then God will bless me. But like I'm talking psychologically, if I'm doing what I've been told to do, then I will have the clear conscience to be able to move ahead forward and progress in a way without any sort of guilt or imposter syndrome.
0: Yes, 100 percent. And I mean, just taking it back to music, I can, I can just say that. It, 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 it brought in a, a, an interesting correlation. I'm, I'd be interested in, in what you think about it. But in music, a lot of the times, especially in mixing, it's like, know the rules so you can break them. And that feels like what happened to you in religion. Like, you learned the rules, the uh, uh, rules were ingrained in you, and then you chose to venture in the world. With these rules in mind, not necessarily uh, uh, telling people you're gonna burn in hell if you drink this glass of uh, uh, um, Jägermeister, but you know, just being able to have these se- this uh, set of values that you've gotten as a child to 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 walk with you, walk the way with you, and appreciate them in a way, but not do everything according to them. And I, man, that's that's beautiful and that's maybe why you were lucky because i feel like you've u- you've utilized these things in such a um in such a practical way
1: yeah i think that's what it's supposed to be i think people are scared of religion because it's kind of especially nowadays um extremists are very like culty about it um very uh, superstitious about everything like i believe <laughs> That if the church tells you that if you pay tithing, you will be be, you will be blessed with financial gains, it's not because God. It's not just because God will put money in your wallet if you give money to the church. I think it's because you feel like, like you're gonna earn, like someone's gonna give you something, and you're gonna feel like this is a blessing from God, rather than saying, oh no, I don't need it, no thank you, and play the humble route. You're gonna be like, oh, this is the blessing, and you're gonna accept it. Like it's it's a psychological thing. Like I think it's really practical and pragmatic. um also uh, specifically with religion. Um, I wouldn't be a Christian or Buddhist, you know being Japanese. I wouldn't be a Christian or a Buddhist if if someone my friend next to me started drinking and I started judging them for drinking and making different choices from a different set of values. The point is I was given values and follow my values that was giving to me, regardless of whether or not it was my choice for the purpose of my clear conscience. But if the person next to me doesn't give a shit, their parents didn't give a shit. I may think drinking is dumb, but I feel like me saying that out loud is more evil than him actually drinking. Does that make sense? Like if he wasn't given that value set, then he doesn't know. It's not, it's not necessary. It's not a big deal. Like, uh, yeah, I think that that's, like, really stupid. I, like, really don't like Western Christianity the way it is right now because it's, like, really judgmental. Um, and it's it's extremely – people are way too superstitious about it and, and feel like it's their duty to put people back in line as if it was their authority.
0: Yeah, and I feel anyway, like – I'm like, I think it's stupid. I feel like I'm sorry. I'm it's gonna an amazing it tangent, bro, because I feel like this is happening with the uh, – movement that's happening in the world with the, with the with the genders and all that kind of thing where there is uh, a needing to feel belonging and and not getting that as a child like getting oh you can be you can be whoever you want you can do a uh, you can have a surgery tomorrow if you want to change your sex and you're even though you're five years old or whatnot um, and I'm sorry, I'm talking to a specific problem, but it's it's just way more general than that, where I feel like there is less of a feeling of belonging, you know, uh, with with all the technology and all the the stuff that comes out and you know uh, everything uh, accessible to everyone, where they can uh, if they want to go to your to your street, they can just look it at Google and say, oh, it's an ugly street, I don't want to go to your street, even though they don't know how your street feels. Like, so they don't know shit about your street. And and, and I'm, again, I'm just taking one little thing. It's just, imagine any place you want to go to uh, uh, and a lot of people just want to know everything about that place before they go there and decide whether they want to go there from the information they're given. And a lot of the magic that's, that's happened in my life has happened through the unknown and through just being able to, take my set of values and implement it to a situation that's completely unknown to me and that that kind of and, and that's missing in my opinion for a lot of people and it can it can get it can get people to be very jaded
1: yeah for sure I think that there's two well I don't mean to generalize but I'm going to generalize a little bit I think there's two dang- dangerous groups of people I think it's one is the extremists and then religion especially christians are extremely historically speaking um really bad uh, <laughs> extremist wise um and then on top of that so any sort of like modern extremists where they're like oh my gosh you're not allowed to be gay because i was told that i'm not allowed to be gay so that must mean it's universal and and, and to you as well um and i mean there's like a little bit of faith base where it's like yeah yeah, Christ was the savior for everybody. You know, a little bit of that, but like they don't know that. <laughs> you know, like they don't think that, so they have different values for you. So it's low IQ to not be able to understand that. Um, I also think it's really low IQ and, and fucking lazy to be agnostic, because if you're an atheist, that means you've at least thought about it, and there's values that come with atheism. Like for example, this is my last shot. This is it. So I got to do the best that I can with it. Is a good value. I mean, in Japan. Uh, in Japan, like, uh, it was really, really sad being a missionary there and actually talking about religion with people of Japan a lot, my, my fellow countrymen over there. And then uh, um, that was more painful than anything else, talking to these people who are not atheists because they don't come from a super religious background. And but instead, they were just like, I've never thought about it. I don't have deep core values that usually come from a religion and so, these I ask, like in, in America, you ask a five year old what they want to do when they grow up, and they have an idea. It may be ridiculous. Like, I want to be a, like, being an astronaut not that ridiculous, but like, I want to be a fireman. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a police officer. I want to be a teacher, whatever they want to say, even if it is something ridiculous, like a trapeze artist, right? They have an idea. If you ask a 20 year old kid in Japan, like, eight out of 10 times, they'll be like, I've never thought about it before. And that comes from a lack of core values. It doesn't matter whether or not you're atheist or you are you believe in the spaghetti monster or you're Buddhist or you're Christian or you're, or you're Muslim. It doesn't matter. The point is, I feel like the important part is that unfortunately or fortunately, you are often given a set of values by your parents that is very difficult to step away from with a clean conscience. So you either have to accept it <laughs> Or, with a lot of fucking work, choose a different set of core values. And, like, <laughs> and be, like, converted, basically. But the worst thing that you can do is say, like, hey, like, I'm actually just a lazy Christian, a.k.a. an agnostic, or a lazy whatever. I, I, there could be a god. I don't, I don't, I just don't like the idea that I have to follow any sort of rules. Is what's gonna really fuck with your ego? And it's like your conscious is never it's gonna be difficult to clean. Because the cool thing about believing in any sort of religion, especially like if you're like it's like a Muslim, right? If you're a Muslim, first off, Islam is absolutely beautiful as a religion. Like these Muslims out here, they'd be praying and they believe in forgiveness, and they believe in basically repentance and right and redemption the same way. And uh that leads to like people believing it's honorable to never give up to always try harder. You have a clean conscience. Everybody's going to fuck up. We're going to move on. We're going to go ahead. I mean, the samurai, the opposite, right, from the Shinto and Buddhists, they, they would kill themselves to, to seal their own honor because in, in, in Judeo-Christian Islamic uh, culture, due from the value sets is never giving up is what's valuable. But in Japan, in the Eastern religions, it was if you don't know when to give up, then you are not humble. And the lack of humility is dishonor. Does that make sense? So in like in the last Samurai, if you watch it, um, the Samurai doesn't understand why Tom Cruise doesn't give up. It's like, why is this motherfucker like he's lost? He's obviously lost. Why doesn't he like why doesn't he give up? And then and the Samurai just doesn't get it. It's like you you're just realize that you give up. And then at the end, the samurai guy, he's like, "You're gonna lose this battle against the machine guns." Like, but I'm gonna do it anyway, and he kind of gets this like American honor thing. It's like, I'm not gonna give up. I'm gonna go into a losing battle, battle, which is like the most non-Japanese samurai thing ever. And and then um and then he decides to not give up, and then Tom Cruise at the very end decides to honorably give up. So like they switch roles. Oh, so wow. it's like it's you're so the point. The point is, it doesn't matter. But the point is. Is that the value systems are incredibly important? And do I believe that the value systems that I've been given and the way that I've decided to approach them has made me successful? Absolutely, yes. Do I believe that God came out of the heavens and answered my prayers and gave me the blessings and put me in a special position? Maybe I don't know.
0: Wow, man! I would is- like to think so, <laughs> yeah. and maybe
1: me thinking so is has as if I'm, you know, convinced myself enough to say yes. Then maybe that's also part of the reason. Mm.
0: Yeah, man. That, Sorry,
1: I'm like really long-winded about this. Nah, my bad.
0: shit, bro. This you've you,
1: hit like a passion point of mine.
0: This is uh, th- me too, man. Th- me too. I'm I'm um, actually my my girlfriend is Muslim and I'm Jewish, so there is um, very a very a very big difference, uh, just a cultural difference between us, and and it's religious as well, um, because again, I didn't grow up religious. Uh, but she did, and and there are things, there are values that she has that are so ingrained in her that I kind of I kind of envy, I have to say, and uh, and yeah, and th- this this interview has been has been has brought a lot of food of thought uh, for thought for me, and I know that it will for people listening because we're 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 gonna keep the conversation alive and uh, and. I, and I know that I know that we are uh, between us but what is a last uh, uh, a parting piece of advice that you would um give people who are just trying to get closer to where let's say where you're at
1: hmm oh man there's so many good pieces of advice um out there floating in the world. Let's see, let me, let me uh, pick and choose a couple here. Um, one, I think mo- not enough people take their creative careers and don't understand that you're an entrepreneur and that you're a businessman first. I think that in order to be a creative professional, you have to be and realize that you are a businessman or woman first. And in order to be a good businessman or woman, you have to read books. You have to fucking read, do the hard thing and read a business book about how to grow and not kill your business in the first few years like every other fucktard has, especially in the creative industry. I think that's like from a business perspective that's the number 1 goal. I think the biggest edge that I've had from my competition to get to the point where I am and 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 where I will be in the next 10 to 20 years in my future projections is is a, a lot of it is based off of business knowledge and not mixing knowledge or not music production knowledge. It is it is business. Um And then I think number two, which would be more spiritual, if I may add a second tip, is to uh, know what you want. And it's okay, it's okay to not want to do music full-time, or it's okay to want to do music full-time. It's important to be intentional and to know what you want and take the time and the personal journey to figure out what your values are, what you want to believe in, what you want your children to believe in, and invest in your long-term future, and do not succumb to stupid, impulsive decisions that make you happy now at the expense of uh, at the expense of good opportunities later.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's something we can make a, a whole podcast about. These two only these two subjects. I should have asked you this in the beginning. Shit.
1: <laughs> no i mean me and uh me and trevor with get it done right C- trevor is is the head of get it done the company that we work both work for um we he, he actually said like uh, someone asked me this is basically a similar question like hey dk what's been your secret sauce for your career and i had to think about it and i said it was actually probably me having kids and the reason why i say that is because like when i had kids at like 20 i had my first kid at, like 24 like all of that like selfish stuff that I wanted to do before like went away. Like I don't even want to party anymore. Like I don't want to be without my family. Like people think it's like oh, I don't want to be like oh, I don't want to lose all this freedom that I have. It's like when you have a kid, you don't even want those freedoms anymore. Like it's it's you're going to feel like, oh, how was I ever that retarded to ever want to want to go to the club? Like it, it doesn't make sense to you once you have kids. Um, your values change, right? And uh, uh, for me, I think it was having kids. It got me focused. It put more fire under my ass. I had to start making more money. And when I was negotiating with clients, when I say, will you offer take this? And I'll say like, "Ah, I got two more mouths to feed. No, I cannot accept that. I have to do this. Can you accept this? So it made me more assertive because I had to feed more mouths. It's the biggest success of my career. Okay, but (laughs) anyway, so that's the secret sauce. And then Trevor piped in, And said to me after that interview, he said to me, um, I think he's like, you lose more opportunities, not by missing good opportunities, but by taking bad ones. It's like people lose more opportunities statistically by taking making mistakes and taking bad opportunities more than they do from missing good opportunities. So, for example, like. You're not going to gain anything or really lose anything from not going uh, I don't I haven't thought about this. I'm thinking about this out loud. Um and I'm trying to make what Trevor said make sense. But um Anyway, sorry. I'm I'm not able to think of uh, an example right off the top of my head. I was probably going to say something like going to the gym doesn't there's no immediate outcome, but if you choose to continue to go to the gym for years, it'll start to show, right?
0: Mm. Mm.
1: And um it's yeah, it's one of those things and the cool thing about physical fitness is that it is a physical it shows physically to the world your personal habits
0: yeah a hundred percent and I think it comes it also comes to showing up and again to what you were saying about intention and about being able to show up as who you want to be perceived as and when you have kids and when you have uh, um, other, other uh, things that are bigger than you, then you can think for a bigger cause, which is also the definition of religion, in a way. You know that you are thinking with a bigger, with something bigger in mind. Facts, facts.
1: People bag on religion, but um, I think people that grew up in like Judeo-Christian-Islamic religions should study Buddhism. And I think people in the East should study Western religions. I think we should, they should study each other's religions. Cause there's, cause more like Western religions are more uh, existential. Like where do we come from? Where are we going? What's the purpose? And Buddhists are like, don't even think about that right now. You're anxious right now. You're depressed. Let's get out of that. <laughs> Let's not worry about where we're going. Let's worry about fucking not being depressed right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Um, Anyway, sorry that I, I yeah. do love religion, actually. And yeah,
0: that. I mean, we'll... I feel I like could, I
1: could talk to you for hours just about Jewish culture too. Like, there's, there's so much about that that I love.
0: Yeah, I, I, I I'd be able to talk with you about that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we can start a new podcast, just like talking, talking <laughs> shit about religion. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 fascinating and. Uh, yeah, I feel like, I feel like you dropped so, so much value um, to people from a, from a, a heart standpoint, you know, and I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and just giving, giving your time to people. Where, where can people find you? And you also have your awesome podcast that if people want some insane mixing tools, they can go to, right? Um, so just like, let us know, where, where can we find you?
1: So yeah, so if you want to learn more about mixing, mastering, production, um, then you can check out my podcast, Mixing Music Podcast, which is available on any sort of podcast platform, um, as well as uh, YouTube. In fact, check it out on YouTube because that's my weakest platform. <laughs> uh, and uh, I love, yeah, subscribe to me on YouTube. It's under DK Mixes, um, which is also my Instagram tag and things like that. And feel free to DM me if you ever have any questions. Um, i love answering questions you can't find on google so if you ask me what's your favorite attack and release time I'll, I, I don't know i'll probably answer but uh if you're like hey dk i have an ethical dilemma here and i don't know about whether or not i should move i'll probably more likely to respond I
0: don't let's know. go okay okay yeah should that chat gpt cannot answer yeah um, there you go yeah um man thanks so much for coming on the podcast Yo, yo, yo! This was one of the most enriching podcasts I've I've had. Period, in my opinion. Let me know if you liked it. Go rate, review it. If you are listening on Spotify and cannot review it, just hit me up on socials. I'm at Roy Mads or at Sync gems. Go and follow me there as well um, to see my favorite gems. I also put him on my LinkedIn page. So thank you guys. I really appreciate you and sending you all the love. Peace.